0: Ghost Steelers! Ghost Steelers! Say Ghost Steelers! Ghost Steelers!
1: Lightning rarely strikes twice, as the Steelers diminish those odds even further as they fail to replicate It's week one upset of Cincinnati, dropping this week's contest 34 to 30. This is Tom coming to you from the Washington, D.C. outpost. Nick joins me from the Houston outpost, and we are back together in the saddle, riding together again. Yes. Hey, of note, the Steelers did manage to increase its highest point production by 30%. In scoring 30 points, and that without any direct contribution from the defense. And by that, yeah. I mean the defense didn't score. Well, anyway, yep, we have uh, we like several that. themes we want to look at during. What's I that?
0: We like that as I interrupt you here as we get our rhythm back for a double man podcast. But please go ahead, enlighten the fans.
1: Well, we're going to do a power podcast here. Thank goodness we're both back in the studio. Hopefully, audio quality is acceptable. We have a few themes we want to go over, and I think what we want to start with is that there seemed to be two different games we were watching.
0: Yeah, it was truly the tale of two halves, which is probably the first theme that we're going to rock with. And then just to paint with some broad brushes here, I'd say the second theme will will be us tackling the, the time old question. Is the offense as bad as it seems? And then the last thing I think we'll talk about, the third theme will be everybody is pissed off at the league's highest paid defense and the Pittsburgh Steelers being scored on at will by a Cincinnati Bengals team that was without its best player in Jamar Chase. So to start at the beginning there is the tale of two halves. I guess the first thing I'll say upon waking up this morning, rewatching some of the game, and just sort of ingesting it is, this might go into the theme too a little bit, I I do think the Steelers are still improving. It's frustrating to watch, but that first half was a good half by the Steelers. Tell me, dad, did they, did the Steelers go into halftime up 20 to 17 or something like that? I believe that was around the score, but when was the last time we saw the Steelers, first off, get to their usual point average, well, they average 15, but get to their point ceiling of 20 points in the first half, but also get the ball back with 40 seconds left in a second in in a quarter or in the half and actually attempt to move the ball downfield. By the way, helps to have timeouts, right? That's nice. Tomlin, see how nice that is? I know that we used to have Ben, we could just get by with one timeout and a couple bombs to A-B, but those three timeouts and that final drive were critical. But when have we seen the Steelers get the ball with 40 seconds left and actually aggressively move it down the field, have a couple guys make plays? Kenny Pickett, the quarterback, scrambles out, runs parallel with the line of scrimmage, which is something Ben Roethlisberger mentioned on his podcast last week. He said, yeah, I used to run to throw. Kenny kind of runs to run, but it's been working. Well, you see these improvements from Kenny every week. Kenny runs parallel with the line of scrimmage, throws it to Heath. If By Heath, I mean Friermuth. Fryermouth breaks four tackles, gets 10 yards. Steelers kicker, not even pause, makes a kick to end the half. Like, that was a thing of beauty. The Steelers played really well. The play calling has improved tremendously, and that's not just the field thing. You can track that. You can see how much more they've been throwing the ball down the field, throwing the ball across the middle with slants and digs and stick routes that are like, 12 yards, things that we have not seen them do. So it's, it's trackable progress and the quarterback playing better and the running back playing better. So that first half, that's, that's pretty awesome. And then it all fell apart in the second half. I think they went three and out like six or seven times. And then I don't even know if the Steelers got a hundred yards in the second half and everything reverted back to, to the crap of second and 10 runs and dumb play calling and Kenny kind of bailing out of the pocket. So it started good. It didn't end that way. You know what? My
1: observation is, just like it was for some of the previous games where, you know, we lost and people pointed to the defense, Mm -hmm. the defense generally had been doing its job, save for actually, let me confirm my information, but the offense did its job yesterday right? I mean, they scored 30 points.
0: No, I I definitely, you can't go three and out 90% of the second half and just have no life. And and that last touchdown is garbage time as well, right? We knew the Steelers lost when Bobby Spokane got run over by a third string running back and, and on his way to a second screen pass touchdown and the Steelers went down by 10 with like five minutes left. So the offense, but I guess, you know what, maybe I'm speaking too soon because that kind of goes into our third theme of the highest paid defense. So maybe we should save this for later, but I guess what you're saying is that, uh, you know, the defense is the highest paid defense in the league. It's ex- expected to be exceptional and they should be able to hold them. I still don't buy that because the Steelers really didn't score until the very end. So they really did like, you're not going to beat the Bengals with 20 points. So I think the the offense did a great job. And I just think it's a lot for us to expect one of the worst offenses we've ever seen to get good in a few games because that's all it has been as Kenny Pickett as the starter. What's more realistic is you see them make a little bit of progress every week and what's sad is that they tanked so horribly in the second half but it's also happy because it keeps that Matt Canada offensive rankings chart disgusting at 31st in the league, 32nd in the league and so they can fire him still and not justify keeping this guy. But uh, that's what I think where we're kind of at. The, 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 the offense is playing better. It's just going to be hard as fans to be patient, and then it's up to the organization to make the choice on, on the key positions, such as Matt Canada. Like You have to be bold. You can't do this Keith Butler for six years thing. You have to fire him. Can he pick it? If he doesn't end up being the guy, and you have the chance to uh, to draft a better quarterback, you have to be bold enough to do that. But we don't know the answer to that second part quite just yet.
1: I guess I didn't view the fourth quarter as garbage time. I mean, the Steelers were within shooting distance. I mean, the the largest lead the Bengals had was eleven points, say at four thirty left in the game. And you think they let off the the gas at that point, and the Steelers?
0: Do you have the drive there, charts available on the stat chart? Because that's what I'd be curious to see. That would help us back this up a little bit. But I just think that the, the Steelers' offense going three and out over and over and over again, that has a drive. Direct...
1: It's not my point. No no, no doubt. I mean, you are correct in your recollection of the three and outs, one, two, three, in the second half. To start the second half, as a matter so there of fact. So and, and then they had three, four and outs. But – my point is, regardless of the fact that all those came in the second half, the offense scored 30 points. It was, it was their most prolific game of the season. So, A, it buttresses your argument that the, the um, offense is improving. I, Definitely. If you accept that the Bengals are a decent defense. Are, yeah. And it was the defense that failed in this game.
0: Yeah, I mean, yes and no. I still think when you start that second, I do think like, again, the 30 points, we are happy that this group got there. The final touchdown was garbage time. You're down by 10 with five minutes left with barely any timeouts and they're playing off the whole time. So I do think they were on their way to 30 points. I'm happy that they scored 23, you know? And And then finishing the job, I don't think garbage time touchdowns are useless, especially for... A, an offense that's building confidence. I, I think that's a useful thing. But uh, and, and I guess I'm not trying to absolve the defense. Yeah, I mean, I guess you're right. You, I mean, 23 points, you're supposed to have the number one defense in the league. You, you paid for it. You would hope that you'd be able to hold them, and the defense never stopped Joe Burrow at any point. And, uh, but still, when you start that second half with three and out, three and out, three and out, you are directly – putting the defense in a much more difficult position. You can't even go six in it. Like you can't even get a first down. That's pretty bad. Pretty bottom of the barrel bad. I,
1: I hear your, I hear your point. And, and as you and I all, always acknowledge, you can't find a statistic that explains a football game. Yeah. And then there's, and there's plenty of blame to go around except for little Maddie. Right. <laughs> um, but in, in this, in the, the larger components of the game. Actually, let me back up. We we didn't put this as a theme, but before the game, they um, they did an interview with Tomlin, and he said, "Watch for the special teams." And the special teams really did not. I mean, uh, offensively, I mean, I I love Sun Sims. He he is a great pickup. Yeah. But on kickoff on coverage yesterday, that that was terrible. Yeah, it was. It was. That did tough. not help. That did not help the defense to let. I
0: have to you have no room for error players. when your offense is this bad. And that's what I want to save for this, the, the part about the highest paid defense and all that stuff and how the NFL runs completely and utterly through the offenses now and how you have to build your team that way. So I want to get into that. But you're right. yeah, You don't get any leeway with special teams or anything if, if you not only can't score points but can't stay on the field pass third down.
1: All right. I hear the code. Get back to the theme, Dad. And it was the tale of two halves. And what the <laughs> heck happened in the locker room? That's the
0: question. What the Why Canada did the Steelers, ran did they- Right. So I think, I think uh, the, the play calling, and I wish we don't have time to bring up all the drive charts and the play call charts, but there's a, a famous sequence now, like it's famous after one day that everybody's talking about after a big George Pickens catch down the sideline where Canada with no feel for play calling at all, immediately calls a flea fic- flicker to gentry. like to, that fails on first down. Then 2nd and 10, what does he do? Run the ball right up the middle, as he did. If we could check the stats on that, I mean, there were at least 5 or 6, if not more, 2nd and 10 runs. So we've been doing that for years. we see seen what that does. I saw somebody comment on Twitter. They're trying to make it 3rd and manageable. I'm like, when has that run ever resulted in anything except for 3rd and 8 or 3rd and 7? If you want 3rd and manageable, th- throw the ball and let's get to 3rd and three. Um, and then after that, it was, uh, I don't remember what it was another dink and dunk play. I mean, you're, you're, you're already out of range. Steelers aren't converting many third and tens at this point in their uh, trajectory. But yeah, so I think that's the biggest thing is Canada fell off the face of the earth. You know, they've gotten better at, at designing plays, but the guy, he's not a professional offensive coordinator and, and hopefully the Steelers don't stick with him for a long time, which is Mike Tomlin's Achilles heel. Just Trotting the same guys out there over and over again. We see Bobby Spokane got abused yesterday. That's another example. You know, Matty Wright, I'm glad that worked today. But, man, you know, him and Harvin, like, we could have the the worst punting, kicking duo in the league if they have a bad day. But it's the Steeler way. We just have faith. So that's what I think what happened in the second half, which also resulted in, hey, there's nothing being given to Kenny Pickett. He starts going crazy. You let him put in the ball there 30, 40 times a game. There's no easy completions. He starts bailing the pocket and doing crazy things. And I think that's what happened in the second half. But maybe that's a good segue for us to talk about Kenny Pickett in the same in the second theme, which is wondering if the offense is getting better, which I think we've kind of given that lead away. I think it's kind of hard to argue. They're clearly getting hard to argue against the fact that they are clearly getting better. But you and I had an interesting talk about Kenny last night after the game. What are your feelings on how he played last night? And what are your feelings about him in general, five, whatever, six games into his career right now? It wrapped
1: up into my, my fear that he's just not accurate. Yeah. And I thought he could at least do that. I mean, he has great escape... Maybe you wouldn't say it's great. I, it I think very good. compared to what we've seen, escapability, yeah. right? He can get out. He, he can he can scamper. He can he can get a clear lane of passing. But he has time to throw. He had um, George, like we were talking about. He had wide NFL wide open guys,
0: and they just they're not just off target. Yeah, they're what I would be throwing. They're high school wide open. Like that pass to Pickens in the end zone was maybe the worst throw I've ever seen in my entire life. He just, he scrambled up and ran to the left. And if he doesn't, if he's not able to just kind of get his feet set, it's, you have no idea where it's going deep. Now, if he's on the run, he's throwing short. He's, he's good. He's very good. But when it goes deep, he just hooks it back and a little pee comes out, stains his pants. And then he throws it 40 feet away from the six, nine receiver runs a four, three and jumps higher than LeBron in his prime. Yeah. So that's look those moments are frustrating and and you brought that up yesterday it's like we understand how much is on his plate i think nick farbaugh put out a stat saying he's thrown 30 times every game as a rookie starter and in three of the games he's actually thrown 40 times you compare that to ben roethlisberger in a tremendously different era everybody where you could play through your defense and it's just There's so much, but even if you take the stats away, there's so much more on Kenny's plate than what was on Ben's plate Uh, with the ability to rely on a run game, the the ability to have play action and and plays called up for you. They're just, they're kind of throwing Kenny out there and be like, all right, you just got to be Ben from five years ago. We can do that, right? So we have to put that in perspective, but Kenny's only a few games in. He shows a few things that are potentially elite. Like, yeah, his escapability looks very good. It looks like his pocket movement is improving. He's doing a better job stepping up in the pocket. Uh, but the one thing we've always worried about him is, hey, there's only a couple quarterbacks ever who have been elite without any elite physical traits. And I like the movement, but elite means Lamar Jackson. That's elite movement. Arm, you know, he's his arm is adequate. It, it's not bad. It's not as bad as Mesa Rudolph's, but – it's, it's way closer to 32 than it is to one in terms of arm strength of NFL starters. So, look, Drew Brees, not a strong arm. Uh, Tony Romo, not an overly strong arm. Both of those guys, adequate, good arms, great throwers. But that's the thing we worry about with Kenny because we understand that there's a lot on your plate and there's a lot for you to have to read with the defense. There's a lot you have to deal with with a horrible offensive coordinator. But when you're looking at a guy and he has nobody on him, and you can't just throw the ball from point A to point B, those are worrying moments for, for us. I think it's kind of what you were getting at, right, Dad? Or am I putting words in your mouth? precisely, precisely. Yeah. I like the way he's come along. The, you know, again, another night's sleep. And, man, he's he has a lot on his plate, and he's doing a good job. And that'll be the big test. You'll know halfway through next year particularly, or by the end of this year, if he can improve that, hey, you just got to hit the open guy. And maybe some of that, you know, that Pickens miss in the end zone, incredibly brutal, some of that can be footwork and everything's just moving too fast for you. Like, he runs up in the pocket and scrambles to the left, and, oh, my God, he's open. He's going to try and throw it all the way over to him, and he's just so discombobulated because things are moving 100 miles per hour. Maybe that's something with more NFL experience he can – just get used to just be more calm in those situations and go back to his mechanics. So uh, it's not that he doesn't have the arm yeah, strength to get there. You know, I,
1: I think there's some fog of war stuff going on here, that, which I'm referring what? to as the rookie year, right? I mean, he's trying to learn. Um, uh-huh. With trouble, what was troubling to me. He, he threw under sixty percent, not great, but he was three for six on passes over twenty yards, which I think is encouraging. Yeah. At least you know they, they weren't. He wasn't accurate on the forty-yard passes, but you got to start somewhere. Yeah. The other thing I, that we hadn't spent a lot of time talking about before the podcast is the run game. Yes. You mentioned it. Um, Najee, 90 yards on, 20 carries. But didn't you feel – I won't put words in your mouth. I felt that the offensive line was getting a lot better push and opening holes. That wasn't all Najee. That was, that was him getting – first of all, it's, his, it's a selection of the hole he's running through, right, that yeah. he did choose one and he ran to it, but that they are they exist.
0: Yeah, it's significant, and they've probably been better at making holes throughout the course of the year than we've given them credit for. The only thing is they have a lot of lapses where they will let a bunch of people in for a two-yard loss. So that's always been the case, sure. But I agree, they've been getting better pushed, but I think the biggest difference is is Najee, just running straight forward. And it's rare that a player can have a game where his career changes and, and clicks, but I hope that's what last week was for Najee because it really does seem like he might have had a moment you got to always watch out for regression because he naturally is kind of an agile guy. He had a moment where he realized, like, oh, I am bigger than everybody. I can just run forward, and it gets me an extra two, three yards. And that's what you do to make manageable third downs, is getting those extra two or three yards. This is very encouraging where their run game is going with Najee. And it sucks that Jalen Warren's injured uh, because Benny Snell is just a far smaller, slower version of Najee Harris. So hopefully Warren gets back soon. And he did get an attempt.
1: Yeah, didn't even try to run him. But and, and I I'm not gonna take it back. I still get nervous when Najee's <laughs> feet leave the ground. But that touchdown that was, awesome. was was awesome.
0: Yeah, well, I think just to wrap up the offense and to touch on the defense real quick before we get out of here, Friarmouth, Najee, and Pickens are they are being prioritized by the Steelers, and they are showing up. And they have some room to grow. I guess Pickens got kicked out at the end of the game for stupidly pushing some guy while he was on the ground still. I love it. Sorry. I love it. That's very Hines Ward. That's very Antonio Brown. You need some badasses on that team to give them a little attitude. Kenny clearly has that. Kenny's got all the other stuff. He's got the moxie. He seems to have the poise and everything. He, if he can get that throwing under control and, and get more rhythm, hopefully the offense gives him a chance to get the ball downfield. I like the personality traits of the guys. Um, and, yeah, the Steelers are prioritizing that young nucleus, and those guys are showing up. Fryermuth had a drop or something, Dad, but he also had a couple spectacular catches in catch and catch-and-runs, so that was really encouraging. So tell me this, because we're running out of time here. Everybody's complaining on the Internet about the Steelers having the highest-paid defense and the fact that the Bengals lit them up. I, You and I talked about this before the game. I was so impressed with the Steelers' opening day victory against the Bengals this year. Uh, but before that victory, I was very scared after last year's just demolitions at the hand of the Bengals, hands of the Bengals, I was scared, ah oh, crap, we have another like Tom Brady situation with Joe Burrow, which is to say whenever the Steelers played Tom Brady for 10, 15 years, or when, especially whenever they played a great traditional drop back pass, passing game, like Drew Brees, they only played him once every four years. It gave him problems as well. That they just exploit the zones so well. We never had a chance against Tom Brady's teams. It just it didn't happen. And then luckily, you know, we didn't have Rodgers or, or uh, Breeze or these other guys. The Steelers didn't have to play it a ton. And so it just feels that way with Joe Burrow. Like, yeah, he's got the Steelers' zones figured out. And they didn't even have Jamar Chase in this game. And that's what worries you about the defense is that we were up 20-17 to 17 at halftime. But Joe Burrow at that time, I feel, was like, 16 for 18 for 210 and two touchdowns already. And I was like, we haven't stopped them. And then they never did. What do you think? Is the defense underachieving? Or are you angry about how the Steelers have put together the roster?
1: Yeah, I, um, I'm not surprised. I'm disappointed, but I'm not surprised. The, the fact that the Steelers have the highest by a lot, highest paid defense, uh, it, it needs a little explanation right you have a very concentrated cat you have a very concentrated number of players getting that money yeah. is it two
0: it's it's uh, tj cam Three. and minka but then you make signings yeah. like miles jack anytime and levi wallace so whenever you sign people from the outside you're inherently not getting good value for them because you could probably make the argument that if you draft a little better you could have players of levi wallace and and uh, miles jack's quality for far cheaper i agree with you it's not like they have to it still if they still had to it and bud and all those guys were getting paid you'd be like oh they've got a a lot of people getting paid but i agree with you it's sort of this weird little concentrated misnomer because i don't i don't feel like
1: it's very concentrated on the top six players that in in who you didn't mention. You, you were talking about free agents. Ogunjobi, Ogunjobi, Bush and Sutton are in there. Um, Sutton I pay all day long, but Bush is obviously over is overpaid at six million dollars. Rookie contract still. That,
0: First round, top ten. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I guess the pros are still so weak. I feel like we're weak at linebacker. I mean, yeah. middle, like to your point. You're, so what you were explaining to me yesterday is you can't expect much more from a defense in the NFL. The fact that Steelers play so much zone exposes the middle of the field. Um,
0: yeah, they don't have corners who can play man. We know that we want that. But here's what I think. There are no more elite defenses in the NFL. There has not been an elite defense since that terrifying Jacksonville Jaguars defense 2017. Speaking of Miles Jack. You can no longer build defense first and you're going to give up 30 points in a few games every year. I know it would never happen to Dick LeBeau's defense. Never happened with Troy and Ike Taylor and Ferrier and all those guys, but it will happen now. And that doesn't mean you're a bad defense. And so when you're playing against a Joe Burrow type team, and yeah, it sucks that they don't have chase, but damn, T. Higgins is an incredible receiver as well. Like... It is going to happen. And I do agree, it was disappointing that they let it happen in that way. And when you look at the way the Bengals scored, especially how easily they went down the field, like you were noting the entire game. They were giving the receivers so much cushion. But then the touchdowns themselves, especially the screen passes, where Bob Spokane's just getting run over by backup running backs. I sounded like I was excusing the defense at the beginning of the game. But but you can't, or in the beginning of this podcast, sorry. But you're right. They're underperforming. But Bob Spokane, he's not a highly paid guy. He's a rando. He's not overly talented. I think that it's just going to happen. and And we have this just frustration because the Steelers are losing. And it's hard to put these things in perspective. So it's just an age thing. Like, all the draft picks recently have been invested into to the offense and they haven't been paid yet. So that's kind of what the pay discrepancy is about. And like you mentioned, it's extremely concentrated on defense. And I don't think they're that far away from having a, a very solid defense if they have an offense that doesn't go three and out for three consecutive possessions every game. Like there's just going to be a point where the Steelers offense goes through the desert. The modern NFL is set up for offense you have to even if you're not scoring 30 points a game you can't be going three and out at this rate because not only obviously makes the defense tired but field position wise it's just way too much to ask and then you're exposing your defense to more plays so then the Bengals get longer and longer to crack the code especially when you're talking about a zone based defense so I yeah I'm disappointed in the Steelers defense I just kind of think this is how it goes in this day and age, and I think that if your offense is a little bit better, this Steelers defense will look a lot better because you got two great edge rushers. We're not even mentioning TJ Watt in this podcast because it's pointless. He should get MVP again, even if he missed half the season. That interception was one of the best interceptions we've ever seen. Highsmith and him have a strong argument as the best duo of, of edge rushers. Uh, you know, obviously, great safety duo. They have a great argument as well. Uh, the corners are, are lacking. That It would be great to get one guy he could play man, but I, I'm, uh, I'm not as concerned with it as people uh, may be, even though I agree it's annoying, but I'm also like, I think if you watch a lot of games on Sundays, a lot of defenses blow like a lead or whatever. Okay, well,
1: Talking about anemic uh, offenses, we get our first midnight game next week against the Colts. It's Monday night at 815 Eastern, which effectively means it's going to be up till midnight, and maybe even later, depending on the game. Yeah. But uh, there's another team that's having a lot of top trouble with uh, offensive productivity, mm-hmm. uh, be led by uh, Jeff Saturday, who's now 1-1, one, one. Yep. one of the more interesting selections since Jim Zorn for the Washington Redskins. Anyway, sure. we'll get to see them next week.
0: What do you think? The Steelers have to win this one. I mean, they have played really tight. And I'm, I understand the consternation over hiring Jeff Saturday. I, I think that if you hear the guy talk, he has head coach written all over him. It's just tough when he's literally never coached in the NFL at all. I get that. He's clearly given them a big spark and a big bump. And I do think he'll make a great coach. But I also will say, like, any interim coach kind of always gives a team a spark. Even like Steve Wilkes won his first game by a lot, and they beat the Buccaneers with the Panthers. So I wonder if some of that shine's going to wear off. I mean, playing the Eagles close, that's great. I would have been more scared of them if they had beat the Eagles and got themselves really believing. But look, the, the Colts do not uh, challenge the Steelers as much with the, with the passing concepts. So their defense is great in Indianapolis. It'll be a dome environment. So that should be interesting for Kenny. And I think the Steelers should win this game and it should be an ugly game. And if they lose, yeah, I, I would be disappointed. You don't want to see regression, but if they can score more than 20 points, if they look effective in the first half, once again, for a second consecutive week, we got to feel good. And yeah, the Steelers cannot be given up 20 points to this Colts team with, with just how devoid of talent they are on that side of the ball. That, that offensive line is not what it used to be. And, their weapons are nothing to speak of. Obviously, Jonathan Taylor's awesome, but he's kind of been in and out and, and healthy unhealthy. So you gotta hope the Steelers win this one. I, I would predict that they will. And if they lose it, that does suck. But hey, you got that beautiful silver lining every week of that draft pick gets higher and higher.
1: Hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye. Well,